welcome to this week's episode of Floor 9. I am Scott Elchison. We have Mr. Angela Mendoza. Hello, world. And dialing in from Miami today, uh, our director of strategy, Adam Simon. Adam, say hello. Hello. Well, I'm glad we could all wake up so early to get this get this podcast recorded. But um, guys, what are we talking about today? Angel, you want to give us the hot news that just happened on Monday? WWDC. Yes, Christmas for us tech folk. Uh, very excited about this. And for those who don't know what WWDC is, uh, this is Apple's yearly developer conference. It's known as the Worldwide Developer Conference. Um, they have about thousands of different developers fly out to San Jose this year to their conference center, and they talk about new updates to uh, usually iOS uh, and some hardware. But this year, it was solely, solely, solely software. It was just announcements for iOS, which we got iOS 12, uh, the watch uh, the watch OS, Mac OS, and the TV OS systems. Um, so guys, question for you. There was a lot that was, that, that was announced yesterday, but what was your favorite announcement of WWDC, just to kick this off? Because like there were a lot. Who do you want to go first? Angel, you're here. You're you're right in front of me. You take it. Take the take the reins. Hands down, shortcuts. Shortcuts. Okay. Adam, what about you? Yeah, I think definitely series shortcuts is uh, the star of the show for uh, at least for for users. All right. Well, um, I was a big fan of the memojis, so I that just puts a two to two, two to one odds mm-hmm. over here. But um, I've always been a a big fan of the digital culture. Uh, you know, bitmoji, memojis, emojis, all that stuff. So, um, we'll I, I guess I'll dive into memojis later. But we can start with Siri and voice and all those updates that have uh, that were announced yesterday. Uh, Adam, do you want to give us a brief background on what those shortcuts are? So that f- for those that didn't tune in, uh, I can get a little get a little education. Yeah, so Siri shortcuts are a way for third-party developers to uh, expose uh, sort of actions within their app that users can take um, and then allow them to be accessed via Siri, whether that's uh, via voice or through um, shortcuts that can appear, can like be suggested to you like on your lock screen, for example, when Siri thinks you might uh, want to be doing something. And users can also bundle them together into these workflows so you can have um, a bunch of shortcuts from different apps triggered by, uh, you know, a single tap or a single key phrase that you say to Siri. Yeah, and I know when on stage they were just had a, it was it was it was also customizable. So you could go in and actually program a custom phrase to your phone for Siri. So you'd say, "Hey, going home," and then it would trigger a, a bunch of different actions that would like set you set your phone up for your home trip home. So start your podcast, give you directions, and then you know send somebody a text saying, "Hey, here's my ETA," or, or "I'm on my way home." Um, and I thought this was interesting because the way I'm looking at it is, you know, when it comes to voice and Siri, everybody says Siri's behind, Siri's behind, you know, Apple and Amazon. Uh, what I thought they did a great job of was really capitalizing on something that Siri did great. And that's really taking advantage of short, direct voice commands. Um, so my question for you guys, do you think that this is just a patch until they can come out with a more like robust system maybe next year when it comes to like developing Siri and the, like their greater voice um, capacity? Yeah, I mean, the rumors going into this week were that there were going to be no major updates to Siri this year. So uh, I think this was quite a surprise to everybody that, uh, that uh, this system was launched. Um, it's not 
you know, it's not perfect by any means. It's uh, um, it definitely has some shortcomings, but it is pr- a pretty robust way to integrate third-party apps into Siri, which is what everybody has been asking for. There's definitely still some holes. We've heard that there are major Siri updates coming next year. My guess is that that's going to be about putting Siri, the real the real Siri core functionality, into the cloud rather than running on device, which will make it a lot more flexible for like you know being able to talk to your your phone and have a control your Apple TV and stuff like that, which right now is not really possible. Um, but you know, as uh, considering we were expecting to get nothing, uh, this was a pretty big update, um, and it does enable a lot of the functionality um, that you would get from say Google Assistant or Alexa. Not everything um, will be possible. For example, uh, I, you know, just from a cursory look through the documentation, I don't think it would be possible to. Um, for example, expose all of Amazon's shopping APIs so that you can shop using Siri right now, um, the way that it's that it's architected. But uh, you know, most of the common use cases, like for example, you know, we uh, we were involved with the Alexa skill for Zyrtec uh, that lets you check the um, the allergy cast and, and pollen count in your area. That's 100% now possible um, using Siri on your on your devices on your Apple devices. Um, so a lot of those common use cases, I think, are going to be covered by this. Yeah, and I think it's a great step one because there will be a learning curve when it comes to workflow well at least we know what the workflow team was working on <laughs> with, with shortcuts but I, I love it because one it's a good learning curve and it's a good step one and then as siri expands next year people will just get used to it because a lot of tech focused people will more or less dive into this but the casual person will they have trouble using this because I don't know if the casual person knows about, say, if this and that, because this is very similar to that in my eyes. But for me, what I'm excited about is that I really don't use Siri. I'm more of an Alexa person, but knowing that I can customize this will actually get me to go back to Siri. <laughs> because the last time I used Siri was, what, 2011 when it first came out? Well, I mean, and I think, again, that they're really capitalizing on what they do well, because exactly. I use Siri in the car to send short text messages or to play a song, you know, something very simple. And I think this is a, a great way to get more people to do the, like, you know, using what they do well, a simple, like simplified version of a voice command, but then triggering larger actions ar- around it. Um, so I think it'll, like, this is like a good update. It keeps people interested until they, ha- and it gives them more time to actually implement and develop uh, a larger, you know, voice platform that'll hopefully expand across all different uh, ecosystems from like iOS to watch iOS to TV iOS to Mac OS and all, all of that. I think the, uh, the point about um, whether sort of uh, mainstream or, 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 you know, novice users will use it, I think is interesting. It's, it, it kind of, it seems like they're trying to cover all of their bases. Cause on one side there is the shortcuts app that is angel. Like you said, it actually is, looks like it's really just the uh, all old workflow app that Apple acquired a, a couple of years ago. Um, but it works like if this, then that, or, you know, um, it's very similar, lets you build things that are similar to like Alexa routines and uh, Google assistant has um, routines as well. Uh, that you don't necessarily even have to use that app or engage with it at all to actually use this. Um, the example they showed on stage was, uh, was from like a food ordering app where you just add that food ordering app to Siri and then Siri can suggest to you when you might want to reorder some, uh, a specific dish that you, um, order frequently. Let's say that you always have friends over, you know, for uh, board games or a movie night or something on one night of the week, and you always get pizza, it can suggest that right on your lock screen. 
And you can also use Siri to, uh, with your voice to trigger that. And I feel like that is the kind of thing that a lot of mainstream users are going to use, even if they never open the app and build these sort of more custom workflows. That's all there for them if they want it, which is awesome. But I, I think I do think that most of it's going to be, um, like we see with Alexa and Google, a lot of super simple requests. Um, and it's just enabling that um, you know, on Apple platforms at this point. Yeah, no, that's all. That's that's a great point. And I, I also want to quickly mention that um, I was really interested in what they did for Siri on the Watch OS, and that is they just um, you no longer have to say "Hey Siri" when you have the watch on. You can just lift your arm, and that gesture will understand that you were about to talk to Siri. And I think that's a fantastic way to just kind of like one just make it a more useful and easy way to have Siri activate on your on your on your watch like it's it's no longer like you know it kind of looks like a an a, an uncomfortable barrier mm-hmm. word in a sense it's just it just you raise it up and you start talking and it, it's a very natural flowing conversation so i think that was a pretty pretty unique uh way to trigger siri on the i'm watch. very curious about that because i feel like if you just raise your arm like you could it could be a false trigger so i wonder how yeah, much i actually tested that out I have the same thought. Like I sometimes will, you know, flick my wrist to look at my watch and I might be talking to you while I'm doing that. And is that going to have a weird effect? I'm assuming that they tested for that, but uh, I'm very curious to see if they really are able to understand what you mean to be talking to Siri or not. That actually is a pretty big leap in artificial intelligence and NLP. Um, So super curious to play with that. But also talks to the sensors that are in the the watch because then it it knows the exact point of when you're raising your arm. So they're essentially building that movement or that motion database in the back end. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And actually, a lot of the um, one thing that was sort of glossed over in the presentation, but um, a lot of the the context for when Siri will suggest things to you um, is uh, it also involves motion, um, which I think will come from either your watch or your phone if it's in your hand or your pocket. Um, But like it will not suggest certain it will not suggest to you to order pizza uh, while you're driving, for example, unless you happen to order pizza a lot when you're driving. But uh, if if, you know you're mostly ordering pizza when you are, uh, you know, at home or or not not in the car, um, it won't suggest it's using it's using motion data to uh, in a to inform the uh, machine learning predictions as well, which is interesting. Yeah, very interesting. But with that, I'd like to move on to my favorite update, which are the Memojis. Now, for anybody that doesn't know what a Memoji is, it is a customizable emoji of yourself, and it is the most fantastic thing in the world. It's uh, similar to Bitmoji, but kind of in the more native iOS keyboard uh, sense of the way. And first question I have for you guys is, with the Memojis, do we think it'll last longer than the Animoji phase? Because I've used Animojis, and I don't use them anymore, like ever. That's a tough one. Mostly because I don't have an iPhone 10, so I've That's never so, really okay. got to experience <laughs> Animojis. But to be honest, I think it will, mostly because people are used to using Bitmojis, and it's an easy transition. And not only can you, I guess, I just need to start using it, but I deep, I'm shot in the dark, yes, I think so. Yeah. Adam, what about you? You said I had something to say. Uh, I was just going to say, I think if anything is going to get people to use them more, it is the the personalization. Um, I would really love to see, somebody mentioned this in our Slack channel the other day, I would really love to see them create a little marketplace for uh, Memoji accessories and stuff like that. Like, I think I, that, that I think would uh, 
spur it to be even more <laughs> more sticky if you know because part of the fun of bitmoji is that they constantly are updating new new designs and new um you know new uh i don't even know what you call them but like scenes for your bitmoji so i feel like um and I don't think Apple has to do that themselves. It would be an awesome opportunity for brands if there were, you know, basically the equivalent of 3D stickers um, or accessories for your Memoji that you could just get from an app store. App yeah, store no. within an app store. Yeah, it's a it's a mini app store within the camera because you know, even the camera now got a bit updated where they have the Memojis and the stickers that you can put. It, there's a selector in the native camera app that allows you to put your emoji or your emoji or stickers within a selfie that you take or a picture you take um, within the native camera app, and then you, you can send directly to your friends through iMessage or save it to your photos, whatever it, whatever it might be. Um, and it's interesting because as we look at, again, the camera, and we've been talking about the camera as an input for a long time now, this kind of seems like Apple's in a way like copying what Snapchat is doing or like Facebook is doing like they're kind of like they're like kind of creating this like first step into what could be possibly like a, a social network I think that's super interesting especially when it comes to um, FaceTime because you can't use your bitmoji when you're video chatting but with this you can it's I think it's super super interesting because you're seeing more of a consumer trend especially for Gen Z chatting over live video yeah, 100%. And we know that, um, at least in the U.S., um, iMessage is super popular with teenagers. Uh, I expect that the Memoji will be super popular with them as well. And uh, you can see you know, FaceTime. I, I also know this is less widely reported, but I've also heard that FaceTime is uh, super popular with teenagers as well. Um, and often they will like open FaceTime and just leave it open while they're like doing their homework or something, even if they're not really interacting with each other. So you can totally see how... Uh, that 32 person FaceTime, uh, especially when you can replace your face with your emoji or an ad emoji or something like, I don't know. It sounds, it sounds pretty fun to me. And I, I can imagine, uh, teenagers hanging out, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, lions and, uh, and, uh, T-Rexes and ghosts <laughs> hanging out in FaceTime, uh, while they do their homework or something, you know? Well, that and all their tongues will be hanging out because that's like the that's the other update to the uh, animoji aspect. Is like <laughs> they, they now have uh, uh, tongue tracking. <laughs> now I want to get an iPhone 10. Like this is driving me nuts. See, this is this again. <laughs> the the animojis, you know, were a a, a, a keystone in selling uh, the iPhone the iPhone 10. So now maybe the emojis will be the one that sells the uh, the next version. But the again, the idea of this customizable personalized personalization um, bitmoji is, I think, very very exciting. But we'll we'll leave it at that because we uh we got to move on to the next topic. A lot of cover a lot to cover here. Um, so next up is their announcement of AR Kit Two. Um, and I think some of the, the big the big announcements here was that they have a new file format called USDZ, which stands for the Universal Screen Description. Uh, so this is their new file that'll support 3D objects for AR purposes and you know VR and, and whatnot. And uh, it seems like they're working with some of the, like the, like the leading publishers in the space, like Sketchfab, uh, to integrate this format. But it'll be interesting to see if some of the other platforms like Facebook or Snap actually support this file. Because right now, everybody is really focusing on the OBJ files, the object files that are out there in the market today. Um, additionally, they have 3D object detection now. Um, what I thought was most interesting about this is that they said it could be used to launch experiences on stage. So I think there's some pretty interesting brand opportunities that you can now understand and recognize through your phone what this three-dimensional object is, and then from there, you know, trigger an experience wherever it might be. 
theoretically, yes. In but theory, in theory, yes. In theory, yes. Knowing Apple, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Well, I mean, it's not an Apple thing. They're making that possible for developers, right? Apple doesn't have their own... Um, well, okay, they, they they did launch the Measure tool. Um, so they now have one one of their own AR uh, apps, but it's just for measurements. Um, but they don't have, you know, that uh, a way to... Um, launch experiences outside of, uh, a, a, you know, a developer-created app right now. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons why we've been waiting for Facebook's AR platform to really mature and, and roll out these features because it is obviously an app that's installed on most people's devices and uh, it will give us access to those kinds of features without, you know, developing and shipping an app, um, which is important for most of the brands that we work with. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's basically it's a new functionality that developers can use, and we'll have to wait and see uh, how that is used by developers to see what's possible. Yes, but what Apple does have is Apple News, and they did make note or they did mention in the keynote that they were going to start placing these three objects within Apple News articles. Um, Interesting, similar to Quartz. What similar, similar to Quartz, mm-hmm. what, what they're doing. Yep. So again, I think this is another example for brands, to particularly to start making those three D asset packs, because more and more platforms, especially news platforms, will be just like be able to support these three dimensional objects that you can uh, one is interact with within the feed, but then two actually expand out through the camera into your physical environment. With with the example with Fender, they were um, kind of building a, a Fender guitar based off color, and then to actually see how it fit in the space within your room, they were able to take that and then put it into like an AR experience where it looked through your camera and then put that fender in your actual room itself. Um, so I think that's that's pretty pretty exciting. And because of Apple Pay, you could potentially purchase it on the spot. That'd be that'd be the dream right there. That would be the dream. Yeah, the, I, I was gonna I was gonna bring up the, uh, what the I think the um, the the sort of biggest uh, sort of technical hurdle that they jumped uh, over with ARKit 2.0 is um, the ability to do multi multiplayer, have multiple users see the same object in the same place in the same orientation at the same time, and that is enabled by um, you know object permanence, which means that you can also like use an, if you're using let's say the IKEA app and you were setting up furniture in your living room, it could theoretically remember where that furniture is and how it's positioned. So the next time you open the app, it's already there. Um, And also, obviously, that could be something that other users are able to see as well. So we don't actually have a lot of technical details yet. I'm sure there's going to be a session later in the week that talks about this. But I'm really curious to know if um, Apple is providing any of that back-end infrastructure around... um, around sharing around object permanence and being able to share objects with other users or if they're really just um, leaving that up to developers at this point if I think that that infrastructure is going to be super important as AR matures um, so I would expect them to offer it at some point but I don't know if they're if that's a, a 2018 project for them yeah that's huge especially if they release glasses AR glasses in the future because then just like the hololens you just drop a 3d asset somewhere and then it'll stay there anchored all great advancements, and it really shows how uh, how much effort they're putting into developing AR and what they truly believe. I think is going to be this next platform. It seems like they're really they're really taking steps to position themselves to be this this company that can support um, this this next platform shift that we're going to see over like the next few years. But to move on, uh, digital health uh, at the Google I/O. This was a big big uh, talking point there and it seems like again uh the same theme has transitioned into wwdc with apple um and most notably 
their screen time controls. So now you can understand one, how much time you spend within different apps across your device, but then also set limits to them. So you can limit how much time you spend with Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat. And I bring up all these social platforms because it's gonna have probably some pretty big implications uh, to these social platforms when people start limiting the amount of time that they're gonna spend with them because they believe it's uh, not beneficial or not productive or unhealthy for them to actually be spending so much time with those with those uh, social networks, for example. It, it is something that uh, a lot of people were asking Apple and Google to do, and they have now both, uh, or, or, or you know, the next updates to the, their OSs are shipping with these features. Um, so, uh, you know, good. <laughs> I think it's good that it's not just parental controls, that it also will let anybody sort of monitor their uh, usage and even, you know, set reminders to to limit their usage of certain apps. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> this is less of a, like, I, I, I don't know how much it will, well, well, we'll have to see how much it affects user behavior in the real world. I'm not I don't know that it will uh, to a large extent. I do think it's notable that um, pretty much all of the apps that they showed uh, negative responses to in this digital health section were Facebook apps. It was uh, mostly Instagram, uh, which I think is uh, interesting. Apple and Facebook are sort of uh, on a are sort of not in a great place with their relationship right now. Right, and I think the biggest area this will help is sleep so the do not disturb i'm one of those people that wake up in the middle of the night to look at the time and i see my notifications and i just get go down that rabbit hole so having just the time and nothing else will actually benefit me and i'm, I'm sure others yeah and it was funny um tim cook uh said that he actually believes he's spending too much time or spending too much time on his phone um and this was a an article that was released by Business Insider. It said during the testing of these new um, products that he realized that he thought he had it under control, but he said that he's like, I'm, I'm spending way too much time on my phone and different, these different devices. So he's, uh, I think it's going to be, you know, definitely here to stay. Um, and again, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out across the different social apps and whatever it might be. Because it said that there are reminders, and there are, but you can snooze those reminders. So if, if it's anything like my alarm clock in the morning, um, it's pretty easy to hit snooze and, and just kind of keep riding through it for another hour or whatever it might be. So um, we'll see what happens there. But then we can move on to, I think, uh, another big section that, the, that they highlighted was privacy and security. And Adam, to your point, uh, you know, kind of talking about how the relationship with Facebook is a bit uneasy uh, today. Um, I think this is only going to make it more difficult. Uh, like it seems like Apple's really taking a hard stance against data collection. Uh, they're making it more and more difficult for big data companies to collect in personal information, excuse me, not personal information, but data around users and then track your behavior online. Um, so Safari is now going to be blocking access to comment sections as well as the share and like buttons because those, even though if you didn't engage with them on a website, uh, those were still used to track a user across um, the website and kind of get their behavior. So um, it is interesting to see how this is becoming more and more of a priority for them and the greater impacts this might have on um, really like the advertising business in general. Cause it's like this, again, this is going to be limiting the amount of data that we can collect and then thus limits how effective the targeting can be for our, for our advertising campaigns. Yeah, we are still kind of digging into what they talked about on stage because obviously they sort of give a high-level overview of what's happening on stage. Um, and we are still uh, digging into what exactly it will mean for uh, our brands and our, our targeting capabilities. Um, I would expect that, uh, you know, just as uh, last year and the year before, Apple keeps adding uh, – 
technologies into uh, iOS particularly. Particularly, so I think we will have to you know wait and see. But it hasn't been as catastrophic as a lot of people have have feared in the past. So I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. And uh, obviously, we'll be working with. Uh, our, our friends at Cadreon to figure out uh, the best way to, um, you know, target users in a respectful and responsible way. Right. Absolutely. And I think um, just like when you, when you look at the amount of information that could be collected today, like, like this is just one, one part of the larger stack that I think we use to you know target individuals when it comes to advertising. So um, I think it's just probably like a, maybe like a, re- a readjustment of how it all works. But again, to your point, Adam, uh, working closely with the team over at Cadreon to be figuring out how to best uh, navigate these changes when they when they come about. So those were the major announcements from the WWDC keynote this year. Uh, overall, uh, while the announcements from Apple today may seem like they're focusing on minor fixes and improvements, uh, on a deeper level, they're really starting to lay the groundwork for Apple to start transitioning to the post-mobile era. And as we've laid out previously in our 2018 outlook, uh, we are starting to enter this mature stage for mobile, which marks the beginning of the end for the mobile era and the search for this next uh, platform and what this could be. Uh, So Adam, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on this are for Apple and kind of like their strategy moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think the the two things that we have been watching um, come out of Apple over the past couple of years and that really point towards uh, the future of the entire industry are um, augmented reality, and obviously they're investing really heavily there, um, ahead of probably in like uh, two years maybe, launching augmented reality glasses, uh, and then Siri. And for Apple, Siri um, means not just voice, but also all of their sort of consumer-facing artificial intelligence products. Um, And, you know, uh, I think everybody in the industry basically agrees that those are the two areas that are likely to be uh, involved in the next big platform shift. Um, and those are all, were also the most exciting uh, announcements from Apple. Um, you know, I think Siri ultimately will will be the way that Apple can transcend uh, the this ecosystem of devices uh, that they've built um, and sort of give uh, give us a, a meta layer that runs across all of our different devices and sort of chooses the right thing at the right time, whether that's your watch or your phone or your TV. Um, and of course, augmented reality might be the way that we uh, actually interact with that uh, layer of intelligence when we do eventually, when we do want to need a visual component, um, it might very well might be augmented reality rather than the screen of our phone. Um, and I think, you know, Apple is, whenever whenever Tim Cook talks publicly about their, their future plans, he's always very circumspect about, you know, um, where where they're going uh like i think that they you know apple is tends to be pretty good at saying well we think the future is this way but uh you know we're we're flexible and we'll see how people use and how people adopt it and we might end up you know in a very different place from where we initially intended to go um and so you know i think it's interesting because they're you know these technologies are foundational and will be useful uh, sort of no matter what, <laughs> you know, if, if the if if everybody's wrong and augmented reality wearables don't take off, um, certainly this investment is not uh, is not going to be a bad one for using our phones and and other devices for our AR as well. So I think you know it, it's it'll be it's interesting to see them lay the groundwork towards something towards a goal that they might not be one hundred percent one hundred percent sure of yet. Um, but I do think that uh, you know they they these. Uh, technology advances are definitely laying the groundwork for something that could eventually replace the phone. 
Well, well said. And I think uh, in general, I think that's what a lot of people have been saying is that it's not going to be voice or it's not going to be AR. It's, it's, it's going to be a combination of all these different platforms. So the voice, the visual, uh, and a wearable in some shape or, some shape or form, uh, that'll be this next, uh, this next platform shift. But with that, shall we just jump quickly into some brand, some brief brand takeaways? The first being, uh, obviously, those 3D asset packs. We've been talking about it for over a year now, I believe, since our since like October of last year, or even previously. Um, but as um, more and more platforms are really starting to support these 3D object files, and they're getting integrated into news feeds and publications, uh, it's going to be a great way to take advantage of this pretty much a new ad format. And you're going to need 3D assets built out to take advantage of them. Yeah, mine is notifications. So we're seeing changes to notification screen and how they're being grouped and categorized. So I don't have a specific takeaway, but it's really looking through how people are going to start interacting with the new notification experience. Adam, how about yourself? Uh, I would say it's uh, for me, it's about uh, integrating with Siri shortcuts. Um, if you have an app on the phone, um, it also, you know, one thing that I think we, we neglected to mention, Siri shortcuts is also an easy way for brands to get onto the Apple Watch um, because they are featured in the Siri watch face, which is sort of becoming the de facto home screen for the watch at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is a way for, it's basically a way to allow Siri to suggest your, your brand and your, the, the actions that a user can take within your branded app, um, to the user. And, uh, so I don't know why, you know, I feel like every brand should be <laughs> interested in being proactively suggested to the user, um, throughout the day. So it seems like low hanging fruit, um, if, if it makes sense for, for a brand with an app. Absolutely. Um, so, what are you guys looking? To, are there any other sessions that you guys are looking forward to this week? I know there's a podcasting one coming up that I'm excited about. Uh, Adam, did, did you read anything that seemed of interest of like these more micro sessions that are going to be coming out recently? Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to watch the series shortcut session to understand more about exactly how it's architected and what's what's actually possible, and also. Um, as I mentioned before, the AR kit stuff, because I'm very curious to know what, if anything, Apple is doing uh, with AR in the cloud, um, or you know, if that's not happening yet. With that, those this is the recap of WWDC uh, live from floor nine. And if you're looking for more great contact, please check out our website at ipglab.com. From there, you can subscribe to our newsletter. It's fantastic. It comes out every Friday. Uh, you can follow us on our social channels. It's at ipglab for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Give us some claps on our Medium blog. Uh, and if you like what you hear, share. Tell your friends. Uh, give us an iTunes review. Whatever you can do, we greatly appreciate it. So thank you. We'll talk soon.